The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. So I want to get into the word this morning. This time of year inspires a number of, of different things. You'll see uh, words used more this time of year than you'll see them used in other times of the year. So it's not uncommon for this season to roll around and you to, to be uh, leaning towards certain topics from a biblical perspective. This morning is really uh, uh, going to, to cater to that. I want to talk about a few things this morning, but specifically I want to address a season of joy. And joy is a really a, incredible thing in the scripture. I mean, it's a very present part of the scripture. And I think it's something that, that no matter how often we look at it and examine it in the scripture, that we're, we're constantly growing in our understanding of and our application of its presence in our lives. I think that joy is, is something that needs to be uh, talked about often and a lot because I believe it's constantly under attack. Uh, there are things that, that uh, take place in our lives, challenges and in tragedies, there are times of, of celebration, there's also times of loss, where as often as we can come together and easily celebrate, there are times where joy is, is challenged. And you look in our culture and you'll see a, a massive uptick in things like anxiety and depression and, and things like that, especially around the holiday season. So I wanted to talk about joy this morning, not only for us, but for those around us, because I want to overflow with joy. I really don't want to just come and get my need met. I want to be uh, uh, one that is uh, walking in the abundance of joy at a level in which those around me are blessed by it as well. And I believe that's how we're equipped to be as uh, believers, and I think we're going to see that really clearly in the Scripture. So uh, I want to give you a few things that we're going to look forward to in the Word as we navigate through uh, some passages of Scripture and see how important this is. Uh, one, we're going to find step one to peace. Now, Peace is another thing that we talk about a lot this time of year. You'll listen to a lot of our songs. You're going to hear the word peace over and over again. Uh, it's a wonderful part of this season, this holiday season that we celebrate. Uh, specifically, as we get to Christmas time, you'll see peace really tied uh, very closely to joy. And we're going to see the first step to getting peace. Another thing we're going to find is why Jesus preached. Why he even opened his mouth and said a word. I mean... He's obviously uh, uh, born miraculously, and there are all of these wonderful signs and wonders. Uh, why even stop and, and talk? And he reveals very clearly in the scripture why he preaches, and we're going to see that. Uh, another thing is we're going to find where to find the best Christmas lights. I think that's an important thing to put on your holiday list. Do you travel and, and drive around and look at Christmas lights, anyone? I mean, I, I remember doing that as a kid. I enjoy it. I mean, I... Uh, there are, are some really fond memories. In fact, do you ever have like one of those stories that you can always turn to and it makes you laugh? You can be having like worst day ever and you can think about it and you just can't help but laugh. I have one, but the more I think about it, it's like it's not really funny. It's really like horribly tragic. And for some reason, though, I laugh and it, I feel like a real dog for that. It involves going to look at Christmas lights like we're driving around looking at Christmas lights. Do you remember a car, an AMC Concorde? Okay, well, this car is, is built like a truck, right? I mean, I think they're even like four-wheel drive, you know? I mean, if I get my hands on one today, I could turn it into a real redneck wagon, you know? I mean, like, it would be fun to go to work on one of these and, and build it up. 
So we have this car, and we're driving around. Uh, uh, we go to pick up like an aunt and a cousin, and we're going to look at Christmas lights where the kids are young. I'm young, and my brother's young. My cousin's young. We're all in our pajamas. This is going to be holiday festivities. It's going to be great. And there's this, this one part of town. It's kind of out of town, really, and they're, they're really known for their awesome Christmas lights. And so we drive, and, and you know, when you're a kid, a, a drive like that feels like you've, like, really trekked across the entire United States. The truth is, you know, it was probably a 10-minute drive. But we're going all the way out there to look at Christmas lights, so there's all this excitement built up and, and a little bit of anxiety. Well, I think the anxiety was a bit much for my cousin because she began to vomit, and it didn't take long before the floorboard of this AMC Concord was filled up, and this thing had, the, you know, the big deep cutouts and the hump in the middle, you know. You start filling that thing up, and you're really letting it fly. And, and so now, all of a sudden, we're wondering, what do we do? So you're all sitting Indian style there trying to get your feet up off the floorboard. And, and, and you, you end up thinking, well, this isn't working. So somebody crawls up into the back crawl space where they have speakers, and it's just a nightmare situation. But we're going to tough this out because we're troopers, and we are out to see Christmas lights. Yeah, I know. It's really disgusting, right? I told you it's not a funny story, but for me, I just look at it and think, like, what were the parents doing this whole time, right? And, and so that's really what makes it funny. Now I've got kids, and I'm like, we would have been out. That would have been over, like, immediately. So we get to the, the, the Christmas lights, and all of a sudden now, we're all okay with the situation. Windows are rolled down for obvious reasons. And the, my cousin sees the Christmas lights and begins to really freak out. The Christmas lights! The Christmas lights! Well, she jumps up, and in this AMC Concord, there's a dome light in the back, which apparently is the exact, you know, level at which she jumped because she hits the dome light and shatters into pieces, and then she's now laying unconscious in the back seat, and I'm thinking, this is really getting out of hand, right? <laughs> I mean, Merry Christmas, everybody. You know, they still drove through the neighborhood. <laughs> That's what makes me laugh. That's really what makes me laugh. I mean, it's like your kid is knocked out unconscious in their own vomit in the back seat. And you're like, those are nice. Hey, look, that snowman moves. Like, eh, 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 eh. oh my gosh, man. The things that parents used to get away with, I just, uh, ah, it's mind-blowing. I'll spare you the rest of the stories, but it's just one of those. So anyway, we're going to find out where to find the best Christmas lights, okay? And I, I think that's an important thing to, uh, to know uh, for a lot of reasons. So we're going to get into the word here. Step one to peace is what I said we'd find first. We're going to jump right in there. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, where I want to turn. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I, I want to read a few passages of Scripture here. I believe I'm going to begin in verse 4. But Philippians chapter 4, you're going to find these words. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And let your gentle spirit be known to all men, that the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Well, I get that last line and think, like, I can't really come up with a more rich reward in any situation or circumstance than to have Jesus guarding my heart and my mind. I mean, to put him as the citadel of my thinking, that he would stand guard over the thoughts that are coming and going, 
no matter what I face, no matter what I deal with, that they would all be filtered through his headship and his protection is a pretty uh, heartwarming uh, uh, and, and warm and fuzzy place to be. And I look at this passage of scripture and I start to think, well, if that's so desirable to me, how can I see to it that I get there? I mean, I, I want to I handle things appropriately. I want to, you know, check off the boxes that need to be checked off to get this result. And, and when I see this result that is, you know, peace that surpasses comprehension, I love that it's worded that way. It, it, the way that it's, it's worded communicates to me that this might only make sense to me, right? Like everyone else is basically going to be looking. Let me define peace that surpasses all comprehension. It means the rest of the world is going to think you're crazy for being so calm and cool. They'll look at you and wonder, oh my gosh, do they not know what's going on? When the reality is, oh yeah, you know what's going on. You just know what else is going on. You know that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, that there are more for you than against you. You know what's going on that can't be seen, and it's that that's prevailing in your heart and mind. The idea that Jesus himself is guarding your heart and mind is resulting in this uh, wonderful peace that other people can't even wrap their mind around. I see here where it begins. It begins with rejoicing. And I think that's a word that we use sometimes. You'll hear it in our Christmas songs. You'll see it in our decor around the holiday season. The question is, how do I do that? I don't want it to just be a part of my vocabulary. I want to understand what it means. I want to be able to to bring it into existence through my efforts, my, my words, my attitudes, my actions, whatever is needed to be one that rejoices. I want to be that guy. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It goes on to say, let your gentle spirit be made known to men. That means you're not freaking out, right? That you're relaxed, and I want to be relaxed. Let people know that God is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Well, the prayer, the supplication, and the request being made known, I've got all those boxes checked off. Where I like to stop and, and evaluate myself is where am I at as it concerns thanksgiving? Where am I at as it concerns gratitude? I have no problem letting God know what my needs are. God, I need a lot of help here. It's falling apart. This isn't working. I need to see this. I need to see that. I need to have these things come to pass. Uh, I'm pretty well connected with my needs, and I've made my needs known to him. Oftentimes, I'll pause and I'll ask myself, have I taken the time to be grateful? And I really think taking the time to be grateful is what opens the door to fulfilling the first part of this passage of Scripture, which is rejoicing. And I want to give you reasons why I think that, so that it's not just like, you know, some loose opinion, but that opinion's actually built around some things. Uh, One's going to be a, a definition of the word rejoice. I mean, first of all, rejoicing is a verb. It's an action word, right? So you're beyond just this concept or idea. It's not just an ideology it, it is an action the same way that you could say, see, spot, run. You could say, see, spot, rejoice, right? If I'm rejoicing, it's going to be evident. You can see it. It's, it's something that is being done or performed in the form of an action. And by definition, it means to feel or to show joy. And I, I have to pause there because I'm thinking, now I need to know what, what it is to have joy. But I, I want to be able to show joy. I want people to see joy. I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want to just use it in my words or sing it in my songs. I want to actually have it, and then I want people to be able to see it on display so that I can rejoice, so that I can open up the door to this peace that surpasses all understanding. 
So uh, I go to a, a, a place sometimes with words, and it's not something that's meant to sound too brainy or too academic, but it's actually like the word's origins. Like the etymology of the word is really the word that's used, kind of the study of it and where it comes from, its origin, so to speak. And, and I want to offer this to you because I found it really interesting. Now this is, if you're going for joy, you're going to find to own or to possess, uh, to, to have the fruit of or enjoy the possession of. And I'm thinking those are really interesting things to say. I mean, to have the fruit of a situation is really the point where joy is manifest. I mean, I remember being really excited about things coming to pass. I remember as a kid being excited about Christmas morning. I remember having all kinds of excitement leading up to my wedding day and, and the birth of my sons. I remember having all kinds of excitement in my life. But then there was the moment where it actually came to pass, and that was off the charts. Those were the moments where I think you could see that manifestation, that, that uh, 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 action released of joy being lived out. And I don't think that's something that is easily fabricated. I, I don't know that you could, you know, travel to Hollywood and, and find the greatest actors or take Broadway actors and have them accurately produce this, I don't think you can fake it. I've known a lot of people that have smiled through difficult situations and, and you could see right through the smile to all kinds of anxiety and all kinds of fear and all kinds of insecurity. But I think when people are walking in joy and you're witnessing rejoicing, it's 100% genuine, can't be faked, and it's rooted in actually having the fruit of the promise. And it makes perfect sense to me then that Christians are called to rejoice, especially as it concerns your relationship with God, because everything that he's promised to give, he's given in Jesus. Every single promise. When he spoke to Adam and said, there's one that will come after you who will crush the head of the serpent, come to pass. I mean, when he speaks to, to men like Abraham and when he speaks to men like Noah and he brings his word to pass, once that word comes to pass, you are now positioned to rejoice, to have the fruit of that which you were looking forward to. As we come to Christmas, I think it is a time of rejoicing, a reminder that everything that God promised to bring into my life in redemption and in, in the prosperity of my body and my mind and in my spirit has all come to fruition and now I can live my life out in a state of rejoicing that people can actually see the possession of, the fruition of that promise manifest. And really and truly it makes sense with the rest of the gospel. I mean, joy is really what the gospel is about. And I, I won't spend too much time on this, but you'll hear it all, honestly through the, the, the season here throughout scripture and, and song and celebration. But listen to the passage of scripture that comes from Luke chapter 2. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And it comes uh, uh, from a group of shepherds standing in a field and, and the angelic manifestation, the hosts of heaven appear, and the, the, the voice of the angels reporting that which God is doing speaks and, and without any uh, uh, negligence to word selection, with complete intention, chooses to speak these words. First of all, do not be afraid. I think that is, is, speaks volumes of what an angelic encounter would actually be like. Don't picture the little cherub babies with wings, right? We hang them in our bathrooms and stuff like that. 
If you step into a room and the first words out of your mouth have to be, don't be afraid, in my world, you're getting something right. right? But I mean, I'm thinking this, this is a, a really incredible presence. It's an out-of-the-ordinary manifestation, and it's probably something that's very awe-inspiring. So the angel appears and makes this declaration, don't be afraid. Goes on to, to make the, the statement, I bring good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Now, when I think about the Christmas season, this passage of Scripture sums it up. Now, as a child, I had a, a real obsession with the nativity and, and, and the, the things that made up the Christmas season. I love everything about it. But this passage of Scripture reveals so many things, and, and it's, it's so concise, revealing that this is for everybody. That God's done this work not just for a select few or for one nation, but that this is the manifestation when he's declared that he's going to release his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness to all the world. That, that it's not something to be afraid of, but rather it's something uh, to be excited about. And the, re the relief of any anxiety that might be attached with such a marvelous work is, is the introduction there. And then the idea that this is good news and what that good news consists of is something that I really think we, we pay attention to, and it, it speaks volumes. We use words like gospel, and gospel really means good news. I mean, uh, that's, that's what it is, but the good news has to be about something, right? I mean, if I called up Bill and said, hey, Bill, I got good news, and then, I, you know, I, he would say, well, what is it? He wouldn't just be like, man, that's great. Talk to you later. Click, right? So the good news in and of itself is, isn't the, the thing to be excited about. Rather, it's a description of that which there is to be excited about. I bring you good news of a great joy. Do you realize that the fulfillment of all of God's word, the coming and the birth of the Messiah, the one that will deliver mankind from all sin and all corruption and, and see a veil ripped into all division between uh, man and his maker will be removed in the, the outpouring of the promised Holy Ghost, everything coming to pass is described as a great joy. I mean, I pause there just to let that soak in because I think that's really interesting to me. No wonder we sing about joy. No wonder we talk about it. But I want it to transcend the tradition that comes with the season. And I want to know everything there is to know about that great joy. I bring you good news of a great joy and it's for all people. If you go to, uh, you know, the dictionary and you look for joy, you're going to find that it's described as a noun, which would mean like an idea or, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a, a, a noun. When I was a kid, it was a person, place, thing, and then they added or idea later on, you know. But by definition, you're going to find this. It's an, the emotion of great delight uh, caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Sound like Jesus to you? Uh, here's another definition, because you know they, they normally come with like A and B. and A source or a cause of keen pleasure or delight. Something or someone greatly valued or appreciated. I like that last one because I, it, it speaks of two things that are important in my relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. That, that the, the, the idea of value and the idea of appreciation are wrapped up in the manifestation of this great joy that's come to pass. God's placed tremendous value on my life, and he has made the, the, paid the highest price, which 
is a valuable thing. To see my life redeemed, to see a ransom paid, to bring us together again in restoration, and to see that even transcend that which was lost. It's a wonderful thing. And the result now is this, this conscious appreciation for that which was done. It's going to be very difficult for me to celebrate anything with rejoicing, the manifestation of joy, without there being value and appreciation attached to it. And it's a a priority in our lives. I mean, I I want to talk to you just for a moment uh, about the idea of joy being really important, not just at Christmas, but in how we live. Based on some of the words that Jesus would bring to us in the gospel, it's really difficult to, to be a believer without joy being present. Joy's in the room, basically, as a person is born again. In fact, he, he may be the, uh, the, the doctor performing the delivery, so to speak, metaphorically. Let me give you a, a passage of scripture here as it concerns the importance and the presence of joy from Matthew, Matthew 13, 44. Now, uh, just, you have to listen for it or else you just kind of read right past it, and, and it's easy to do that. He speaks of the kingdom of heaven, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man finds, then hides again, and then with the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. I mean, if you take joy out of this, you lose everything. Joy is really this driving force that that brings this, this transformation of life, somebody willing to abandon everything they have in order to embrace that which is available to them. Joy is that driving force. I I pray for joy in my life. I pray for joy in the lives of those that I know need Jesus and need to be born again, to have that fire ignited, to to bring them to the place where they're willing to abandon that which they have to receive that which is promised. And, And I think that's a really wonderful thing to pursue. And it's kind of a a change in thought process uh, because oftentimes that joy is manifest uh, in dark times or difficult times. I mean, uh, when somebody comes to a place of rock bottom, they then come to a place where they begin to realize all that they have to be grateful for, and, and that's where this turnaround can happen. It happened that way for me. It happened that way with the prodigal son. The moment that joy began to prevail and affect his choices and decisions and he was no longer led by covetousness or greed or self-satisfaction and gratification, but he began to realize how good life was, he was at a rock-bottom point. And I think sometimes that's because stuff gets in the way and is a distraction of joy. And, And there's a reason why our lives become so filled with stuff because the more stuff that comes into my life, the less focused and and excited I am to just fix my gaze upon joy and all the value and things that I should be grateful for. And we honestly get so busy that joy takes a back seat. This is a real trap. I mean, joy is such a priority in the believer's life that you can see where joy is absent or where it's void, the result is really awful. Now, I've given this passage of scripture before and it it can even cause and spark debate. And I'm not interested in debate this morning, but I think it's worth throwing the scripture out there. Now, if it provokes any thoughts or concerns in you, let's talk about it. I would love to talk about that. I welcome that. But Deuteronomy chapter 28, I want to look beginning in verse 47. Deuteronomy 28 verse 47. I, I want to read the opening words and I'm going to lay a little emphasis on them before we continue. 
so Deuteronomy 28, beginning in verse 47, it opens with these words, because, right? So you're about to now see uh, something revealed that produces an effect, a cause, so to speak, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and a glad heart for the abundance of all things. Okay, so I'm going to pause there because I want to emphasize a couple of things. One, somebody's serving the Lord, right? I mean, that's a good thing. There's none of us in the room that would be like, well, that jerk, right? I mean, serving the Lord is a great thing. If somebody were to say, Preston, how would you feel if the congregation was filled with people who serve the Lord? I think I would say, hallelujah. And who wouldn't? So consider that this person is doing something that is righteous in our eyes, serving the Lord. But now there's something missing here, and the missing element produces a really negative result. Because you didn't serve the Lord with joy and grateful heart for the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and in thirst, in nakedness, in lack of all things. And the Lord will place an iron yoke around your neck until he has destroyed you. That's pretty hardcore, don't you think? I want joy. I want joy to be the fire inside of me that motivates me to do the things that I've been called to do. According to the definition of joy, that means appreciation and value. I want to be grateful for that which God has done. I don't see the call upon my life as an obligation or a burden, but I see it as this wonderful gift that is releasing me into the fullness of who I am and who I've been made to be. It's my destiny. But when things become an obligation, when things become a burden, when things come to a place where they're seen as cumbersome. I think it's so rooted in this lack of gratitude and ungratefulness that God must give his attention to it. And oftentimes our attention is only altered during trial and hardship, difficulty. I like to think about this being written, and when I, I think about it being written, I get a little bit nutty. I mean, you're all familiar that I'm a little bit nutty anyway, so I don't mind expressing, you know, the, the works and the gears turning in my head. But I'm picturing this being written and the Holy Spirit inspiring this passage of Scripture about the value and the importance of our motivation being joy, that, that value and that appreciation. And, and, you know, it begins to be expressed that, with the absence of joy will come, you know, being uh, subject to enemies. And, and, and then, you know, it starts to, to get worse. Well, what would be worse than being subject to your enemies? Well, you're going to be hungry while you're doing it. Oh, man, that's terrible. How can we even say it where it's even more? Into, well, you're going to be thirsty too, right? And then it's kind of like, well, well okay, well, what if that's not enough? Well, you're going to be naked on top of that. Like, golly, it's getting bad now i got to serve that jerk who hates my guts. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I don't have any clothes on. And I have a feeling it gets to the point where it's like, you know what? We just need kind of a catch-all, right? And the catch-all that they put in here is uh, lack of all things. What a horrible way to live. To constantly be short. To constantly be in a state of deficit. Honestly, it is an anti-Christ way to live. Jesus is the abundance. I came that they have, would have life and that they would have life abundantly. No lack, no deficit, not coming up short, but not only having enough to get by, but it's pouring out of me. It is overflowing rivers of living water flowing from my innermost being because of the abundance of my King Jesus. 
man, I want joy. I want to rejoice. I do not want to live a life of deficit. I don't want to live a life of, of lacking and, and nakedness and thirst and hunger. And then when you continue to read this passage of Scripture, it, it begins to awaken an awareness of the rest of the truth, why, why we would be clothed with Christ so that you're not naked, why Jesus could stand and say, hey, if anyone's thirsty, let him come unto me. If anyone's hungry, let him come and eat. You begin to see all of these boxes being checked off. Wow, I see now. I don't just see a way that I'm supposed to live. I see the joy that I'm called to live among. That we're called to abide one with another. You are the joy that is brought into my life that I might live the victorious calling that God has placed upon my life. Free from being a servant to my enemies. Free from hunger and free from thirst and free from nakedness and free from the lack of all things. Oh yeah, and let's not forget the removal of that iron yoke that's on me to destruction. And let's consider Jesus saying, hey, take my yoke. It's light. There's not a single box on here Jesus doesn't check off. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? Joy, I want joy. And then you begin to see Jesus in his ministry and how he would speak and why he would speak and how he would pray and what he would pray. I told you before we're going to find why Jesus preached. I want to give that to you. We're going to move pretty quickly here. John 17, uh, 13, uh, Jesus is praying and he's praying for you and he, he makes this statement. And as he's praying for you, he reveals why he preaches in the first place. He's speaking to God the Father and he says, Father, now I come to you. In all of these things I speak in the world, okay, there's every sermon he's ever preached. All these things I speak so that they, that's you and me, might have my uh, joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus is praying, he's speaking to the Father, and he says, God, I've been here and I've been speaking and preaching your word to them. And the reason why I'm preaching and speaking your word to them is so that they can have my joy in their lives. I mean, you start looking at what all is going on here mechanically in this statement, and it's really phenomenal. Not just saying that they can have joy, but that they can have my joy. Joy that is absolute in its perfection. That is not in any way suffering any inferiority or insecurity or anxiety, but joy that is completely perfected in a knowledge and an understanding of the value and the appreciation that should be placed upon the Father. A life in which you look upon it and you see that joy lived out in action, lived out in the words spoken and the attitudes on display, one that truly is rejoicing in the Lord always. So I told you I'd move fast. I want to move really fast here. When Jesus is praying and he says that, when he says to the Father, I'm in the world and I'm speaking these things to them, he's speaking about his sermons. I'm always curious, you know, you could play through them and you can see the result of the sermons. You can find the things that he's speaking, calls to be fruitful and productive, to be, you know, grafted into the root. When he would say, I'm the vine and you're the branches, you can't bear fruit outside of me. These are the things that he's speaking. I'll give you a few passages of Scripture for your notes. We may not linger long, but John 15, 11 says, These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be made full. I have to stop on that passage of Scripture every time and say the same thing. That means my joy is not full without His. 
I don't care what I try to fill that void with in this world, it will not work. And then you consider the things that he's spoken to lead me to this place where his joy fulfills mine. And I'll give you a a few passages of scripture that are, are also included there in John 15. These are the things he's talking about in context with this statement. And and there are words like this, abide in me and I in you as the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. So you can't be fruitful unless you abide in me. That's John 15, 4. And then John 15, 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I've loved you. I see a couple of messages here in context with this call to have my joy made full. It's this call to live a fruitful and productive life. And it's a call to be unified in fellowship with with those around me. And when you see this lived out and and you see what this produces, you can understand why God has called us to these things. These are the things that are proof positive that Jesus is at work and active in our life. These are the things that are proof positive of our discipleship or following after Jesus, being like him. Fruitfulness being one of those. John 15, 8 says, My Father is glorified this, that you would be fruitful and so prove to be my disciples. Exhibit A, that I'm following after Jesus. My life is fruitful. Fruitful in the things that glorify God. Fruit that will remain, everlasting fruit, not things that will be uh, temporarily productive and then consumed in the end, but things that matter, things that are eternal. And then uh, another proof positive that we're following after Jesus being that fellowship, that call to love one another, found in John 13, 35. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, You know, what a great thing to consider. And it's easy to say the same things every time that passage comes up, but not by going to church and not by putting, you know, bumper stickers on your car, but by your love, your, your willingness to lay down your life for those around you. It's a really amazing thing to consider. And then the result is when Jesus is speaking these things and that call on our life to have his joy made full in our lives, it brings us closer to functioning and operating like him as we begin to be grafted in and producing the things that are pleasing to the Father and united in fellowship by the Holy Spirit. You begin to see Jesus present and active not only in your life but through your life. And that's really the call. The call is not just to know him but to be so impacted and affected by him that you begin to appear as he appears. Here's a passage of scripture that would bear witness with that. Philippians 2.5, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty amazing call, right? It's a call telling you, hey, behave like he does. Respond to, to circumstances and situations like he does. Have the same attitude that Jesus has. Pretty incredible call when you go on to see what that attitude is. Uh, Further down in that passage, you you can realize the call that is upon our lives is not only to just have that attitude, but to have that attitude be the driving force that produces similar results. I'll give you more of that passage here uh, from Philippians as you continue to read specifically down in verses 14 and 15. Do nothing with complaining and disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation 
Now, do you remember when I told you we're going to find where to find the best Christmas lights? Get ready for this. And in doing so, you will appear to those around you as lights in the world. We are the best Christmas lights that have ever been put on display. Everything that this season represents and everything that we traditionally turn to to stoke those fires inside of us and to remind ourselves of that wonderful call to to clear things off the table that have become a distraction and and that have drawn our attention away from joy, the the appreciation and the value on which God is worthy to receive in our, our worship and our praise and our adoration. When all those distractions are cleared away and we begin to focus on Jesus, we begin to focus on God's goodness and his gift into our lives, we begin to open the door to function and operate in such a way that we appear in this world as light. And that's really what God has designed us to be. That when the world would look upon us, they would see clearly solution to problem. They would have hope where there's desperation. They would have security and courage imparted into their lives where there's anxiety and fear. God has not only just called us to walk in light or to celebrate light, but he's called us to be and appear as light. And the only way we can be and appear as light is to be and appear as Jesus. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. It's a lot of words, and and by this time you begin to think, if we haven't gotten it by now, we might need to revisit some things. But every time we get into the Word, there's a a desire and an anticipation for something to be illuminated in a new and exciting way. And you come into a season, a season that celebrates, you know, peace and and joy and light, the giving of gifts and, and, and the receiving of gifts. I think it's an important thing to pause and apply all those things rightly from the Scripture into our daily living, to reorient and to come into a place where uh, things that maybe have, have taken a, a, a side note to our day-to-day existence need to be reprioritized. And the point of this morning in all of those words and in all of that talking is to reprioritize joy. Not just to have it be a, a seasonal item, you know, a decoration on a tree or maybe a fixture or an ornament placed out in our home. But to, to, to go to our Father and ask Him, Will you stir the fires of joy in my life? If Jesus came into this world to speak the truth so that I might have his joy, let his joy be made full in me. Even if I don't know what that means, blow my mind with that. Bring me to the place where I begin to see the joy of Jesus Christ in such magnificent ways in and through my life that it's having a profound effect not only on me, but on those that are around me, that I would appear as light to them. That when they are in desperation and when they are in darkness, they would see solution in me. Not that I am the solution, but that the Jesus in me is the solution. And you've called me to release that solution through my words and my actions being in line with His. And let the result be the expansion of your kingdom, the work of Jesus Christ in everything I do. Let the attitude be in me to see this come to pass, that selfishness would disappear, and covetousness would be absent, and let there be a drive inside of me fueled by joy, a gratitude for all that you've done in my life. 
that would open the door and make the way for my life to be fruitful and productive, my fellowship to be genuine and true, and for my life to appear as light, testifying of your love and your faithfulness, testifying of Jesus. That's really the, the prayer. So I want to pray for us collectively. And I want to ask God to open up our hearts to be motivated in such a way. So that it's not just something prayed over a congregation. There's nothing wrong with that. But it becomes a, a something that we ourselves seek after, knowing that God's faithful and lead us to that which we desire. I want to pray for you. You're welcome to be in an attitude of agreement or, or a state of receiving, however you choose. But Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the call upon our lives to be light in this world. As we celebrate the work of our King Jesus in this season, let the tradition and habit uh, fall to the wayside. And let a new and greater understanding that, that would transcend all that we've come to know to this point rise up inside of us. Stir the fires of joy in us that our motives and our motivations to function and operate in your kingdom would be pure and righteous, pleasing to you. That there would be a, the, the absence of obligation, but there would be a true desire with thanksgiving and gratitude to give as we were freely given. And let the resulting peace and celebration and, and, and all of the rewards that come with this lifestyle be manifest in such a way that not only we would benefit from them, but those around us would witness them and be drawn unto you. Let our lives become so naturally evangelistic as we live out your promises. Stir joy in our hearts that we might rejoice, that there might be the, the action of celebrating that fruition of your work in our life, the fruition of their mercy and your grace manifest in the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sin and the absence of captivity and corruption. Let everything in us come into alignment with all that you're worthy to receive. Our thanksgiving, our praise, our worship, our adoration, and let the fires and the motivation of those things be the joy of Jesus Christ. Every word that he would preach and bring into our lives, let it result in his joy fulfilling our joy. And bring a greater awareness of this truth, that we wouldn't simply hear these things and be intrigued by them, but that our hearts would be softened and surrendered to your spirit, that we would hear these words and be forever transformed by them for your glory. We bless your name and we thank you for this wonderful work on our behalf. Let joy prevail in us and through us to your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, and all the saints declare joyfully, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.